Welcome to the JP Morgan Weekender. I'm Bruce Kasman, and with me is Joseph Lupton. Hey, Joe. Hey, Bruce. How you doing? I'm doing okay. I guess we should talk about easing. <laughs> you know, there's or obviously not. been <laughs> easing or not. Um, yeah. There's obviously a lot of uh, market enthusiasm now about the prospects for early easing, um, not just at the Fed, but also by uh, pretty much all of the DM central banks. And uh, obviously that's one of the reasons, not the only one that's been um, boosting uh, what has been a pretty impressive uh, rally in risk assets, pretty impressive uh, uh, rally in the long end of the US. Uh, and I think, um, you know, the question is, what is it that um, drives this? What is it that delivers it? And I guess I'll start with uh, just a word on, on, on sort of framing it. You know, which is what can get us easing in 2024. Um, the uh, first thing I emphasize is we don't tend to emphasize this too much in conversation. But one thing that gets you easing is a growth or financial market scare. And uh, certainly, uh, if labor markets break, if financial stress and funding and credit markets come into the picture, central banks will respond to it. I think we should understand that they have a much greater sensitivity to respond to it today than they might have a year ago when we had SVB, when we had the recession of fears that were coming into the picture um, in a world in which policy rates are quite a bit higher and inflation is quite a bit lower. Um, the second path to uh, getting easing is, of course, the one that we spend more time talking about, which is you get inflation down enough. And you know, I would argue you certainly don't need to get all the way down to the 2% uh, inflation targets. I think if you get below three in central bankers, uh, for the most part, think you can uh, sustain that. I think they'll be uh, considering seriously uh, starting to calibrate stances away from uh, what they currently perceive as a restrictive stance. Uh, so with that in mind, I just would also emphasize that I think if you don't get the kind of growth financial scare and it's entirely being driven by inflation, dynamics, which, by the way, is something we haven't really seen in modern history is, you know, easings after significant tightenings that come because of disinflation. Um, then what I think you have to realize is this is probably going to take time. Central banks are going to be cautious. The data is almost not uh, consistently uh, clear in terms of inflation trends as you go through a shift in inflation. Uh, and we still have tight labor markets. We still have elevated wage inflation. So this is where things are interesting in the context of the um, market pricing of uh, early easing. And it's particularly interesting in an environment in which the data flow, I don't think, are uh, broadly giving us too much concern about a near-term uh, break of any sort. Certainly financial stress isn't looking like it's building. Uh, you have uh, the data flow in the US looking like it's holding in, today's payroll number being one of those, globally at PMI this week as well. Um, so I guess the uh, question is, as we think about the central banks meeting next week uh, with markets where they are, how are they going to um, talk to us? What are we gonna learn from them? And I'll just, you can take whichever one you wanna start with, Joe, and uh, go on and well, tell I mean, me I, what, I guess I, what's gonna happen. Uh, after all of that, I said uh, that was a mouthful. Uh, um, that was a mouthful. I, I think uh, one one thing that's important just to add to that before we talk about the central bank is the 
the the reflexivity of all of these things and the complications that come about not just because of you know financial market reflexivity which we often talk about in terms of things easing too much and 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 maybe therefore kind of supporting the economy and and under cutting the, the central banks and Fed intentions of trying to slow things down. That's that's a balance that, you know, certainly the Fed has to be mindful of. And after we've taken out, um, you know, a lot of financial tightening that the Fed was arguably, not even arguably, was clearly demonstrably worried about in the November meeting, um, that's completely reversed, more than completely reversed. And so I think that's going to change the tone a little bit. But I also think there's an element uh, on the uh, the macro side that um, maybe was implicit in what you said, but wasn't said directly is what, what if just growth is too strong, right? I mean, and, and if we just, and, and I think this week is a reminder uh, of that. We've been worried on the downside of growth over the last few weeks, you know, kind of made our things starting to get a little bit on the soft side and we pushed back against that, but nonetheless, uh, I think you 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 saw some moderation in, in, uh, in activity that had us a little bit worried. Uh, but, you know, you get a payroll report like today, which was just, you know, pretty, I guess I would say more than solid. I would say it was strong in just about every dimension is, is a reminder of just the, the incredible resilience out there. And I think that then fuels the inflation numbers. And if we're right on inflation next week and inflation kind of moves back up to above the three tenths mark on core with a risk skewed towards a four tenths, as we've been saying that kind of movement up into year end uh, and early next year is going to change the tone in the marketplace. All of that, I, I think, is uh, is the other side of the coin here that we need to be mindful of central banks uh, kind of looking at that. So with that as the kind of the full complete backdrop, uh, you know, I think uh, next week's Fed is probably going to air a little, continue to air on the side of what I, I, I was just warning in the sense that, um, you know, that you're going to have a hawkish bias in the in the tone of the language. It's going to, in, in terms of the deliverables, uh, it'll probably look a little bit more dovish or obviously not going to have a hike in there, uh, you know, which was, you know, in the dots for the end of this year. We're not looking for a hike next week. Um, it's important to note that without the hike next week, they're going to have to lower, if they still maintain 50 basis points of cuts, they're going to have to lower the dots in 24. We think they will do that. Probably will let, uh, lower the profile going all the way out. Uh, and I think that will be arguably be taken as somewhat of a dovish message. But in response to that, I think uh, Powell will have to have to push back and and remind people that they're not thinking about cuts. That they're uh, that the bias is towards um, uh, you know staying high for long. They haven't started talking about cuts yet. Uh, and so let me just ask because he basically, you know, said they remain um, biased and and willing to tighten. He talked about the lack of confidence in how restrictive stances are. Uh, he talked about the fact that inflation wasn't uh, clearly a um, you know. Uh, slain in terms of a problem when he spoke to us a week ago Friday. Um, what does he have to do differently uh, next week, as you say, in a, in a, in a meeting where the committee is going to have for inflation uh, forecasted at about two and a half percent next year, it's going to have 50 basis points of easing, and it's going to have basically a soft landing forecast. 
so yeah. what does he have to do to push? What does he have to do in the language to push back that he he didn't do last Friday? Well, I don't I don't think it's necessarily a change in language. I think it's about what is the emphasis of his of his discuss, discussion going to be on? I mean, he will get questions and and even in his in his comments, he'll he can address the fact that, as I mentioned, the deliverables are going to come across as relatively hawkish or excuse me, relatively dovish. Um, and I think He'll continue to say the things that he has been saying. I think he's really going to have to address the financial conditions point because I am sure he will be questioned on the fact that November was all about tightening financial conditions. And that is is completely gone at this point. Uh, and does that kind of change the tone? And I think he's going to he's going to emphasize that. Yeah, this is this reflexivity point that he's going to have to say that you know, we, we maintain this hawkish bias. We need conditions to be sufficiently tight to engineer this return to our 2% target. And our main concern is inflation still. I think it'll be hard for him to push back too hard on that because he, as recently as last Friday, was talking about stances being well restrictive and he was focusing on the slower moving Fed FCI index in terms of an indicator of financial conditions, which are continuing to point to building drag. I mean, my my concern about next week, not necessarily concern, but my expectation for next week is that he continues to be somewhat um, balanced in the way he talks, even as he maintains a bias. I think he'll can maintain the bias, but I think in terms of talking about financial conditions, he'll he'll hit uh, the note about conditions continuing to be tightened and monetary policy still having a lag. I think in terms of inflation, he'll talk about the lack of confidence that they've been successful yet, but also emphasize progress. And I'm I'm not as confident that he's going to really shift the market pricing here in a material way. Maybe he will, but I don't have that confidence going into the meeting. And that's not to say that I think he's going to encourage expectations for a um, a hike and uh, an easy, excuse me, an easing in the first quarter, but I'm not sure he's going to forcefully uh, push against it at this at this stage. We'll see. I, I would just point out that you've got mortgage rates which are down almost 100 basis points from where they were in early November. Uh, you know, I a, see that. I, that's look, a considerable I've, easing in financial conditions under any which way you look at it. If I'm, if I think your point before is very much on track is if you think about the way they talked in November in the minutes, there was a huge emphasis on the tightening in financial conditions and particularly the rise in longer term interest rates. If you're going to be symmetric, you've got to at least say that what's happened in the last uh, uh, six weeks or so has really shifted uh, the perspective on this. Uh, I'm not sure he's going to go that far, but he certainly could. And that's where I think is the interesting issue around how we're going to come out of this meeting is to what degree is he going to start to push back against it? Um, and so just last thing I'll say, in a world where, I mean, I, I guess I should know this, We the meeting is before the inflation report or? No, the inflation report is on Tuesday. No, no yeah, oh. the inflation report's Tuesday, the first day of the meeting. So, yeah, I mean, so who knows? I mean, there's, we're, we're looking for three tenths on core. Uh, I think there are estimates out there that pointing to four tenths. Uh, yeah. I think that of all of this is going to remind them, combined with this payroll report, which, uh, you know, I mean, we didn't go through the numbers, but 
it's hard to find something that was soft in that report. I, I there are a couple things, but well, I think I think the report was was strong on the month. I think it came after a, a month that was a lot weaker in the details last month. Uh, and I think when you look through it, what you see is a moderating but by no means weak labor demand picture. That's you know that's the way I would kind of characterize it. But um, there's nothing in that report that gets you worried. I don't think uh, there are things in that report that tell me worried on hey, the downside. You mean? Yeah, the things in that yeah, report absolutely. that tell me, hey, we've softened. We've been softening on a trend basis in the last six nine months. But um, you know that's that's what you would have expected. I think it's more consistent with this idea that we're downshifting to something more normal. I don't know. This is what kind of I guess uh, I could go through what I don't. I could go through what I think are the weaker notes of that report. No, no, I, I know, but let's just talk. Let's just talk very high altitude here. I don't know why 150, 200 is. If people focus on this moderation from the 300, 400, 150 to 200 is still very strong. That's a hot labor market. Well, here's here's the thing. I mean, and I'm not pushing this. If you wanted to tell the story, you'd say, look. You got the strikers back this month. That added 50,000 yep. to the number. That gets you down now, I think case. that's I think that's wrong to do that without taking out the retail and and warehousing drops, which I think are a seasonal issue around what was strong hiring in recent years, which now are, is is back to something more normal. So I would clean both of those out. But if you just want to take out the strikers, you could say, hey, this number, you know is a lot, a lot softer than the headline reading, and you should be looking at that. I think the other thing in the report, if you want to point to it, is there's not as much breadth as you'd like. The diffusion index right. is only at 54. If you look at uh, hiring in business services, even ex-temp, it's been running 5,000 a month. And a, a good, healthy economy, that should be running 50, 60. You got your, your jobs concentrated in uh, healthcare, education, you know, leisure, and, and gov. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, it's, I, it's, I would it's, still, I, for every one of these kind of in the weeds type issues, I would say you got 199 on payrolls. So you got an unemployment rate that moved down, uh, yep. you know, moved down two tenths. You got a work week that ticked up. You got a part rate that ticked up. You got an employment population ratio that moved up to a cyclical high. You got average hourly earnings that bounced up to four tenths. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah I'm mean, not arguing with you. I'm, I'm, I'm a, yeah. I, I just when you smooth it out over a number of months, I think what you get is a, a softening but not soft labor market. That's the way I would just yeah. put it. And um, uh, I think that's good. That's great. And, and, you know, that is supportive of a lot of things we want to see here. Um, well, certainly supportive so let's, of let's a go on, Jerry, of a we gotta, like a frog story, right? Got to say a few words about the Bank of England and give the ECB some love here too. Come on. So let's. Okay. Well, I, I think what is interesting, Bruce, when you laid out the, the two scenarios, right, which is one reason that you could get central banks to ease is if you're on the right path for inflation coming down and you got Goldilocks soft landing and, and my gut, and I think you're, you're, you're feeling as well that the latest news in the U S probably says maybe we're running on the, the the hot side of that uh you know which is that the, which is why the fed probably needs to maintain a hawkish bias here the other reason a central bank can be um cutting is simply if there's a break in in activity and, and we've been pointing this out for a while that uh you know in a world where europe seems to be flirting with recession uh then when you layer into that the fact of the inflation pressures coming off uh clearly in in europe 
And then also even now kind of in, in, in the UK to some extent, although the run rate is just higher there, but still the direction is in the right, uh, right direction downward. Um, you know, that suggests that it takes some pressure off, certainly hikes from the UK. We don't think that's coming and maybe even leads to somewhat less of a hawkish bias uh, from, from the ECB. So um, I think that's what's going to be interesting to watch to see if the tone is shifting. ECB is naturally kind of more hawkish. They've only got an inflation uh, mandate, a price stability mandate. Um, so that generally keeps them on the more hawkish side in general. But with the growth numbers where they are, I think maybe that takes, um, uh, you know, pushes I think them. That Schnabel and uh, Vilroy both basically say yep. the ECB doesn't have a bias anymore. It's done with its Yeah, bias. that's a good point. That's right. Which you're not seeing from the Fed or from the Bank of England. So there's that. But, you know, I think the issue here is probably less about how the ECB talks to us, because I think they are going to be cautious here and, you know, as you say, they're they're a central bank that has a more central focus on inflation, and they've got an eye, you know, they have a forecast which is going to get more positive uh, next week, but it's still going to be pretty gradual in its descent. But I think the real issue here is that we can't be um, as comfortable that something is not going to go wrong in Europe. You know, there's to me what's interesting about the euro, if we focus on it, is you know we saw the G the Q3. GDP report this week and leave the headline number alone. I like, and I'm sure you do too, that the consumer picked up somewhat. And there's a story there with inflation moving down and wages. I like more that the PMIs up. have moved up. You can tell me what you like more, but we've moved yeah. having had a consumption pick up for a, a, a region which has been basically flat on consumption for over three years. But in that set of forces that are pushing the consumer, um, to have better spending gains, you're also getting sticky wages, moderating deflators, and they're starting to be pressure on corporates. And you know, this is this is our call for the U.S. in terms of boiling the frog. The question is whether the pressure in Europe is going to um, create more risk that the labor markets do have a have a crack here before the consumer lifts enough to kind of bail you out. And as you said, the PMI was up this um, uh, month uh, in November. That was a good thing. It, it needs to go up another three, four points for us to be comfortable it. So, um, I mean, I think that's where we stand. I'm not not fighting Greg and Alan's call that both these economies are going to do a little better here, but I just think the risk profile here is very different in terms of something um, that could go wrong uh, in labor markets. And therefore, I think the risk that the ECB or BOE tighten, uh, excuse me, tighten, ease, ease early is higher than the Fed just on that concern. That's not gonna be reflected in their conversation. They're not gonna be talking about these growth concerns, but they're there beneath the surface and they're not gonna go away here at least uh, for for some period of time. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I mean, I, I think particularly as you move into the, right around the turn of the year here, I mean, the, you keep getting kind of continued resilience and stronger news in the US and you keep getting kind of sluggish news, even if a little bit better on the PMIs uh, news in, in Europe. Um, and I think the inflation news is gonna turn a little bit more in the US up based on our next week's CPI forecast and our, our kind of risk, at least yours and my risk bias on the inflation side of things in the US versus Europe. And it does suggest a, 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 a relative move in front end rates. And um, 
I think while everyone's kind of looking for, uh, you know, a dollar to, to come off here, you'd have to think that you've got a strengthening dollar and a weakening euro, at least uh, for the near term here. I'm going to not go make a currency calls. <laughs> I'll leave them to you <laughs> if you're if you're willing to make them. I've been too frustrated trying to drive macro performance in terms of uh, particularly the euro call here. But uh, let's uh, let's leave it there. Um, just to round out, uh, we also have some data next week. And, you know, I think what's interesting against the backdrop of what we just said is we've got, you've mentioned the inflation news in the U.S., but we've also got a reasonably constructive review on U.S. retail spending, uh, U.S. IP growth rebounding from the UAW strike that hit us in October. And similarly, we've got decent forecasts for China on the retail uh, spending and IP side. So the the, the data flow on activity next week should be broadly consistent. With I mean, story. just broadly speaking for the U.S. consumer, um, boy, it's it's pretty constructive, right? I mean, in this reinforcing the growth point, right? Because you're going to have you're going to have the the payrolls numbers, which were pretty solid average hourly earnings, which were pretty solid. You're getting the, the gasoline oil price down, which is down like 17, 18 percent at this point. Uh, yeah. presumably there's some striker effect that held back some spending of those striking workers. That could be a bit of a addition as well. And, you know, all in our, our, our card data is pointing to a, a pretty solid, solid gain in, in control numbers next week. And I think we forecasting about seven tenths on, on control. Yep, that's what we're forecasting. Yeah. Okay. So I think we'll leave it there. Um, hope everybody uh, has a good weekend, good holidays. If we don't, um, speak we will do one next week right i think that's going to probably be the last one for really? the year is it yeah probably yeah well, we'll figure it right. out we'll figure it out we're here next Sometime week between now and then i'm by, surprised yeah by the end of next week we'll figure out if we're going to be here the following week so uh take care everybody <laughs> forecast and, uh, that and whatever <laughs> bye <laughs>